Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Michael Owen against Alan Shearer. What on earth is going on there? That headlines today's edition of the Gagan Pod as we look at the best and worst of the Premier League over the opening four weeks. We look at what went on between Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane and what happens in a dressing room with strikers in that situation. And we travel far and wide across Europe, including a look ahead at the UEFA qualifying action this weekend. David Wiener with you, joined by Michael Bridges and Paul Ocon. Can't wait for this. Let's rip right in. Paolo, great to see you again. Great to have you back at uh, Optusport HQ. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And Bridgie, what on earth is going on at Newcastle overnight? It's incredible what has um, evolved over the last 24 hours with Michael Owen and Alan Shearer going head-to-head at each other. And um, it's a bit like a pantomime at the moment, and I'm absolutely fascinated by it. Yeah, well, let's kick off with the story of the day. He said what? Well, if you missed it, Michael Owen's book is coming out, and I guess he's done very well because we're talking about it. And in it, he said, I don't need to justify justify myself to the effing Newcastle fans, where he talks about taking that downward step in his career to Newcastle as he perceived it. Now he has regrets. Well, from there, it kicked off on Twitter, where Alan Shearer said, yes, Michael, we thought that also while you were on 120k a week, after which Michael Owen replied, not sure you are as loyal to Newcastle as you make out, mate. I distinctly remember you being inches away from signing for Liverpool after Sir Bobby Robson put you on the bench. You tried everything to get out. Bridgie, what's going on? Well, I didn't know that there was a feud between the two players. and they Both had the same agent, a guy called Tony Stevens, many years ago. They were very good friends. And obviously, as time escalated, they played together at St. James's Park. Alan got the job, and where it stems from is when Alan got the job, he kind of held Michael Owen accountable for part of the relegation. And it, it comes from a guy called Paul Ferris, who was the physio at the time at St. James Park. He actually did a book, and he also blames Michael Owen. He said, for a man that's played only 55, 58 Premier League games for Newcastle, scored 26 goals, taken £22 million in wages out of the football club to say that he didn't want to be there, he didn't enjoy it, and things like that. Ferris said... In the last six months of his contract, we couldn't even get him to play in games because he was more worried about the next deal that was coming. So his heart wasn't in it. Alan's held him accountable in the past. Michael's never spoke about it. It's come out. It's going to be coming out in the book. And he's really, really upset a lot of Newcastle fans. I think he's disrespected the club massively in the area. Um, Sam Allardyce has also come out and said, well, Michael would fly and get a helicopter from Newcastle Airport into Liverpool as often as he could. So he didn't like the area anyway. And yeah, it's uh, been a massive slant and don't, there's going to be more. This is perfect. The Alan Shearer has had a nibble at Michael Owen publicly. Who's the winner here? 
Well, what are we talking about today? The winner's Michael Owen, yeah. because what, exactly, that's what it is. He, his book's going to sell now, he's got interest, and you know there's going to be a few more players getting dragged into this, Over the, and David Beckham is one of them that's just come up as well. Well, speaking of Becks, the one that's come out as well is, uh, the quote on Beckham is, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, ev- that what David did that day, and he's talking about the England game against Argentina, where he was sent off at the World Cup, and he hadn't let every single one of that England team down. Palo winner. I mean, football is full of a book of feuds. I mean, you could only think of what would be written right here in our own country. But when you when you sit down as a former pro and you write that down, like Michael Owen, I mean, what's going through his head to, to out uh, all these legends of the game right now? What is what good have come of all this? Such great yeah. storytelling. Yeah, look, uh, it's obviously going to uh, provide a lot of entertainment. Um, but I think uh, the real reason is is he wants to sell his book um, because. Why is it waited? Why has he waited so long to come out and and say anything? He hasn't probably had a, a reason prior to this. So, um, I think it's just a case of Michael wanting to fill his pockets once again. Um, I dare say that he's short on cash. Um, but you know, if you're going to write a book uh, and you want it to be successful, you're going to have to throw a few grenades, a few grenades, throw a few under the bus, and it seems like. Uh, He's picked two very high-profile people. I'm not too sure how this is going to work out. I'm going to have to check how many books he's actually done in his time. But I read his first one, and it was crap. <laughs> so I don't know whether he's done a second or a third, but this is the one that's dropped all the bombshells. He's dropped a lot of people in. Now, I know Alan well, yeah. play golf with him. We always take the make out with each other, be in the dressing with him. And I roomed with Michael Owen many years ago for the England setup at the junior level. And what I will say about the two of them, I will ha- I put Alan Shearer on a pedestal. He's a great man. He-, he means well by what he does. Michael was a very selfish lad. And this typifies what he's all about. And it- it- he's hurt a lot of people and he's going to hurt a lot more. And like Paolo says, I-, I don't think he's- he-, he can't be struggling for money, but that is the only thing I can think why he has done this. And you go after Shearer, the, the god of Newcastle. How would the- that have gone down uh, in a place that you know really well? Oh, nobody can take Alan Shearer down in that area. He he is he can walk on water on the River Tyne. And, yeah, there's a lot of support for Alan Shearer, but it's, it's not about him and Alan Shearer. It's about the football club and the people that in the Newcastle region. Michael said it's not a big club. It's a one club in one area, okay, in that region. Everybody in that region pays and works hard to go and buy a season ticket for that football club and fill Michael Owen's pockets. So he's basically just alienate yourself for everybody involved in that football club. We've only got Sunderland that are the, the rivals up there. There's nothing else apart from Middlesbrough. You go to London, you've got these clubs all over the place. They're big clubs, but Newcastle is a big club because of the stature. They might not have the trophies, but that is a big club and he's upset a lot of people and he's bang out of order. Paolo, to, to round this out, I remember Michael Owen a couple of months ago, maybe it was the back end of last season, gave a very compelling TV interview where he spoke about the back end of his career where he said basically for five or six years, he, his body wasn't capable of doing what he... He wanted it to do to do what he knew he could do best, and that was his pace. And he even, I think, at the time said he was almost avoiding the ball. He was going to where the ball wouldn't be, so he wouldn't make those darting runs in behind and blow his hammy. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is the way Shearer was. We're going, well, you were still happy to pick up your 100K, 120K a week. Which way do you perceive that kind of back end of a career for someone like, like Michael Owen? Yeah, well, look, it's, I think it's, uh, it's disappointing uh, for, for Michael because uh, for many years... You know, his career, I mean, he was, you know, England, at, at one point, he was, you know, the main man for England, for the national team. Um, and to tarnish that now, uh, just to, to, to sell more copies of your book, I think he's, he's placing um, 
his reputation, his legacy as a, as a as a football player in England, as a professional that was highly paid, over um, trying to make this you know his his book successful. And for me, I, I don't think you can put a price on on uh, on your legacy as a footballer uh, over trying to make a little bit more money through selling a book. You know, the difference between these two players and a lot of other players, so your Alan Shearers, your Teddy Sheringhams, your Paul Scholes, your Ryan Giggs, they were able to evolve through all kinds of eras of football. They didn't just rely on one thing. Michael was a goal scorer and Michael had pace. As soon as Michael's hamstrings went, he could not adapt his game to play a different style of football because he didn't have the technical ability and the football and brain. And, you know, there's a, we, a lot of players know that. The England set up, um, he went to Real Madrid as well. There's a famous story about the five-a-side. The five-a-side at Real Madrid. Nobody wanted Michael in the team at five-a-side because he didn't have that technical ability. And Raul, the captain of Spain, you know, you've got a goal scorer there and you've got the England number nine. And they're kind of thinking, you know, this guy can't play. But put him on 11-a-side pitch when he had pace, the kid was unstoppable. There's no denying that, but he could not adapt his game. And I think that's a, the big thing where she was kind of going, you know what it is? Just pipe down, young man. Otherwise, the truth will come out. Well, we'll see how that soap opera plays out over the next couple of weeks. Will people read the book? Well, we're talking about it. So he, that part of the marketing campaign actually worked. So we'll see how that plays out. Paolo, when's your book coming out? <laughs> when do I mean you're going to fall out? No chance, Bridgie. No chance. <laughs> Uh, I reckon there'll be a few interesting tales to read in that as well. Uh, boys, bring it back to this year's Premier League, where, of course, Michael Owen is one of the pundits on the Premier League production, so we'll be seeing plenty more of him through the season. I want to get a whip around because, of course, we've, got, we've seen a month. We've had some first impressions, and we're about to head into the international break. Of course, we've got uh, six days of Euro qualifiers live on Optus Sports. A whip around. Um, gents, the best player so far this season. Bridgie, starting with you. Sport for choice. I totally spoil for choice, but I've got to go for Aguera. Yep. I've got to go for him. He's, he started this season, he's on fire six already this season. He got two against Brighton, which world-class finishes. Yes, he's playing with great players at support, but he had so much to do that weekend, and Matty Ryan had no chance mm. of saving the ball. And, you know, he's, in, he's sixth in the all-time chart with 170 Premier League goals. I don't think he'll get the top mark, but what he's done in that space of time is brilliant, and again, he he keeps going and he keeps delivering. Ridiculous question. This this might sound like, but is he still underappreciated for how freakishly good and how much longevity he's had? And as a striker, you talk about adapting. How phenomenal is his achievement to have actually thrived after Guardiola pretty much put Gabriel Jesus ahead of him at one point. I remember watching him well before he came in the Premier League, and he was a player that always used to excite and think, oh, "Wow, got something special." So when you get players that sign in the Premier League, you're kind of going, "Yeah." This was one guy I was looking really looking forward to watching. And like you say, he's adapted his game. The late winner against... Um, Queens, the, the title winning yeah, one the against Queen's Park Rangers. Queens Park yeah. Rangers to take it away from United. I do think he's undervalued, but he, he, I don't know if Paolo... He, he's got everything as a player. He's the all-round striker. He's solid, he's strong, he runs, he's goal-scoring, he's heading. I don't see a, a flaw in his game. He's got the work weight now that Pep didn't like. Yeah, I think what's extraordinary for a player that's not tall, uh, the amount of goals... Uh, that he scores with his head uh, in English football up yeah. against a lot of tall, uh, strong uh, central defenders is phenomenal and, uh, yeah, world-class. Who's your pick standout so far? I've got Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, f- fair. Yeah, look, uh, he yeah, is he, back. He, he's back. He had a tough, tough time last season, a lot of injuries, and I think Man City at times did struggle without him. Um, and if it wasn't for uh, their... Um, that the size of their squad, they probably um, would have missed him even more. But uh, he's certainly back fit 
uh, this season and in you know a couple of appearances already, assists, goals. Um, he's that player that uh, he's for me. He's an all-round player. He can play the tiki tucker football, but he also can can be individual at times, and 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 he's very good at at. Uh, isolating um, people and creating overloads, which we all know that Pep, Pep loves that. So, um, you know, once again, I think if Man City are uh, again to, to, to win it, um, they're going to certainly need Kevin Kevin De Bruyne. Or to go to the next step in Europe where he is so key to their structure. So he's already got three assists for Aguero, two for him, Sterling, and it's no surprise with him back in the team. They're averaging three and a half goals a game this season. Um, the biggest surprise, though, for you, Bridgie, Biggest surprise, I don't want to admit this one, Dave, because we did a the first podcast show of the season, the relegation battle. I went for the three newly promoted teams to go back down. Richard Bayless said Watford, and I looked at him in disbelief. And so far this season, they have been the biggest, I'm saying biggest surprise, because the of negative their way. negative way that they've managed to do it. Three losses, one draw, and they cannot score goals. And they're not even scoring from set players. They relied upon... And it's it's not looking pretty for them at this moment of time. So it's Javi Gracia. They, the club has come out and backed him. And this is a club that had a big sacking mentality before they hired him. This is their worst start or worst run in a decade. That that year, they over a decade, 2006-07, they got relegated that season. Um, how long before the screws get put on Gracia? How long has he got after the international break? Just signed the new five and a half year deal last yeah. season. That means absolutely nothing in the Premier League because that can be terminated. They drop their heart. Happy to pay up and get somebody in. That can try and galvanise them. But I, th- I do think it's still very, very early days whether you're talking about the managers four, four games in, possibly getting the sack. But it is reality. And I, I hope they pull it around because I do like a lot of their players. I like the style of play that they have. But the pressure is on. And when a bit of pressure hits you, it's, it's incredible to see the difference in the dressing room. Well, this time last year, they were top of the table too. So it's a pretty uh, tumultuous difference between this year and last year. What about you, Pella? My biggest surprise, um, Leicester City. Um, still uh, one of a few one of few teams undefeated. Um, they've had a win over Bournemouth and, and Sheffield, a draw against Chelsea and Wolves. You could argue that they haven't played a real top opposition other than Chelsea. Um, I think the test will come in two weeks' time where they face uh, Man United. Um, but, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers, you saw at the back end of last season when he took over, they had some good results. They climbed uh, the ladder. Um, but I think probably things have changed a little bit when you see Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea and Man United below Leicester City at this time of the season already, for me, is a, is a big surprise. You know, I love with Rodgers, uh, when Ranieri was there and they played that counter-attacking football and nobody could really work out or, or stop what they were trying, change of dynamics the year after with Ranieri wanting to play out, couldn't get it going, so Puel come in and they had this lovely possession-based game, but you've got Vardy sitting on the bench because he didn't want the long balls. What Rodgers done He's given them a bit of blend of both. He's got them playing lovely football, but he's also got this mechanism or the, I call it plan B, plan C, whatever you want to do, with the balls over the top because he's got firepower and it's, it's working and the players have embraced it. Case in point on the weekend, Vardy's goal, what a goal. Vardy's reinvented under Rodgers and um, I was doing a bit of a report card for um, an article on optus.com.au, sport.optus.com.au and really Leicester for me were just that rung below the two big boys at the moment and when everyone talks about the... Um, the race to break the top six, or dare we say it, the top four, they look the best good so far. I love that James Madison um, as well. So they've got a bit of class with a bit of uh, all the other elements as well. So you mentioned Watford earlier. Were they your most under pressure so far? 
Yes, it was the most under pressure. But what I've actually gone for, I'm going to throw a curveball in here. The biggest one for me this season, I think, is going to be scrutinised and looked at is VAR and referees. Okay. They, I think they are the most under pressure from what we've seen so far in the Premier League. And <laughs> the, we, the Villa game on the weekend, my God. It's, yeah, this is why I think they're going to be, there's going to be so much talk all season of who's under the microscope. But you can say managers are under pressure. Managers are under pressure, as Paolo will tell you, week in, week out. The VAR and the referees this season is going to be under the biggest pressure is it here to stay? I don't know, because obviously the Premier League didn't want it, and then they've accepted it. That's my big talking point. Yeah, I've gone for uh, two managers. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, yeah. no surprise. That's my choice. And Frank Lampard, um, who, let's be honest, five, fr- five points from a possible 12. Um, they've blown uh, a couple of leads so far. Um, you know, we've, we know the history of uh, Roman Abramovich and Chelsea and how um, little patience they have uh, and and yes Frank Lampard is a legend um, they've played some good football though Paolo but I'm not I, I'm not too sure how this is okay. going to so how I, this will end up I want to ask you two blokes with your coach's hat on because Chelsea's f- f- football at times has been fabulous yeah. really good to watch but they've shipped four goals against Sheffield United and Norwich and barely so they've got a point against Sheffield United That's, uh, they just beat Norwich it's not really acceptable in your first four games as Chelsea. Great going forward, really, let's be honest, open for business going back. What do, what do they have to do from a coaching point of view to tighten that ship? Get Mourinho in as assistant <laughs> manager to give him the defensive aspect and let Frank work on the attacking aspect. There you go. Yeah, look, well, have a look at Liverpool. What did Liverpool do? What did Jurgen Klopp do? Go out and bought Virgil van Dijk, the, 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 one of the best central defenders in the world and... You can work uh, day and night on uh, defending and, and, um, and, and improving. Um, obviously, you know, that will make a difference. But in the end, um, I look at Chelsea's two central defenders, Christensen and, and Zuma. They're not world class. And a fading as Pulaqueta at right back, which is, a, I think, a going to become a growing talking point as well. Let me rephrase your under pressure then, Paolo. Who is under more pressure or who has got more work to do out of Lampard and Solskjaer because, and I'll phrase it this way, you said Chelsea have shown signs with them good football, but what about United? Have they shown enough signs to go that there's enough there to, to think that Oli's all right? Who's, who's under the most pressure out of those two? I think Oli, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, you know, Lampard has, has a few excuses up his sleeve. There's a transfer ban. Um, you know, they haven't, they, they weren't allowed to, to go out and, and strengthen the squad apart from uh, Pulisic, who was bought uh, previously mm-hmm. under, under Sari. Um, and Man United, no different. Five points from a possible 12. Um, a Paul Pogba that's. Paul Pogba. It's not, it's not really working. Um, and their performances haven't been uh, convincing. Um, so you, you would expect that they would, they would uh, have a lot more to, to show for, even after four games of the season. I mean, even the game that United beat Chelsea, your team did 4-0 at the start of the season. If you hadn't shown the result, and I yeah. know the result's the only one that matters, if you'd have just shown the statistics of that game, I wouldn't have believed United had won by four mm. because they were just clinical. Five shots on target, converted four. The amount of final third entries that Chelsea had were absolutely incredible, but you haven't been able to hit the hit it. So, and yeah. one thing that that surprises me is that under Sir Alex, going to Old Trafford, you couldn't win. It was impossible to win. But nowadays, 
teams are going to Old Trafford and, and, and not only taking points, but winning football games. Which Dol- Dolby beat them last year. Yeah, yeah, and, and you talk about that, the irony of that first game against Chelsea was the clinicalness of them. But you look at it now, and even Solskjaer publicly is going, can you just tap one in, for goodness sake? And Marcus Rashford, who they obviously sold Romelu Lukaku, uh, he's only got three goals in his last 21 appearances. Anthony Martial, he's not tracking hugely better. And with Lukaku going, you just see in these games, he looks to the bench. Nemanja Matic, um, 17-year-old Marcus Green, amazing talent, but that's pretty much where it is. So I agree with you, Paolo. I think they're into the, the pressure index right up there. Best signing, Bridgie? Best signing? Oh, I've got two down here, and I've got Sebastian Haller from Frankfurt to yep. West Ham. What a player he looks. Giving them a new dimension, holding the ball up. Doesn't get injured like Andy Carroll, which is a massive <laughs> bonus. He can make powerful runs in behind, and I'm just delighted he started and got himself a goal. Uh, and I'm going to, I can see this team developing really well. And the other one that um, was me was Daniel James from Swansea United. The impact that the Welshman has had. He was the talk of the championship. Leeds tried to get him. Uh, United did for 15 million. And what a player he looks. Yep, that was ironic for them that uh, they're relying so heavily on a 21 year old despite the, all the embarrassment of riches they thought they had. I'm going to go for Rodrigo, uh, the number six or holding midfielder. Um, for Man City, bought for 70 million euros, I believe, transfer record mm. for Man City. Mm. Um, you know, what a player. 1 metre 91, composure on the ball, mobile. And for Pep Guardiola, that number six position that Fernandinho has, has filled in for, for a few years. Uh, last season, when he was injured, they used uh, uh, Gundogan. Um, but he's more of a, 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 a an eight, an attacking midfielder, so... You know, Pep's gone out and and brought Rodrigo into you know to fill that position and uh, and give him that balance um, together when Fernandinho is uh, is injured, um, which is an important part for Man City. I tell you what's actually an underrated part of that as well. With Arminio Reporter going down, um, he can possibly use Fernandinho in defence if he has to because he's got a superb option in the middle of the park as well so that's a, a pro- I don't know I'm sure that was part of the plan but a bonus for the signing of that quality alright biggest talking point we've touched on a few of them but to say we're going to the international break what is what is your headline from the season so far or first impression you've caught us out a little bit here Dave because I've just gone for something that's happened over the last two weeks I know we're four weeks into the season but Sean Dyche mentioned it two weeks ago when they played Arsenal about players diving and going down we had the Jack Grealish um, dives constantly and then obviously the decision that was given as a dive when they scored the goal so for me this season Dice has got oh and sorry and Harry Kane as well diving on Socrates when the challenge came in dive, dive or penalty? no dive yep. he, he tried to con the referee by shielding the ball with his body mm. Socrates didn't dive in he held his ground and there was, there was contact but you can't give that as a penalty mm. so for me the it's something that needs to be looked at, and I, I agree with what Sean Dice was saying. It's, but it's been going on for years. But this is the now everything's getting highlighted more. So there's more cameras, there's VR, it's getting scrutinised. So that's the biggest talking point for me at the start of this season is we've got to try and somehow cut this out. Yeah, look, I think VAR will continue um, to be a, a massive talking point every, every week. They just can't seem to 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 get every decision every decision right. But I'm going to go for my mate Paul Pogba. For me, he's a massive talking point. Um, I think he's so influential as a player. And we saw that for France at, at the last World Cup. Yep. Um, and we've also seen that uh, um, in small uh, moments at Man United. If he's 
playing to the best of his ability, if he's got that that hunger, um, you know, he's one of few players I think um, can win a football game by himself. Um, but 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 there's a massive just, but. There's a massive question. Yep. What Messi, Ronaldo do on a regular yep. basis? Salah does it. And Pogba doesn't. And that's that's the unfortunate thing for for Man United. And uh, I think it's it's a massive headache for 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 the manager for Ole Gunnar. How do I get the best out of Paul Pogba? Not for five minutes in a game, not for one game, but for every every weekend. How, how do I do it? And particularly when you look at United and you go, well, we've, we spoke about their attack and that being misfunctioning and how do they you know strike on the counter attack? But controlling games, I mean, in the middle of the park, it's almost Scott McTominay who's t- McTominay who's taking the lead for them. Well, who was the guy on Optus Sport app at the moment that was talking about Paul Pogba, one of his ex-coaches? It was his coach from La Hava as La a junior. coach. Yeah. Now, what he uh, did you see, or if you get a chance to listen to it or see it? Yeah, see it on he the He basically said out. Paul Pogba will give anybody as a coach an absolute nightmare. It doesn't matter whether it's Zizou, Deschamps, or Onigolo Sir Sancho, Alex. Or Sir Alex. This guy is obviously a handful to handle because he's a social media dream and you're probably he's earning a lot but I tell you what he's, he's a commodity off the field as well and that must be hard to deal with yeah so interesting to watch whether Sosai can extract the most from his potential he said what? another dose of quotes because there is so much to talk about and we're going to start with the, it was the flashpoint on the weekend where Jurgen Klopp said about Sadio Mane after he looked so disappointed with Mohamed Salah when he came off the bench and he said it was obvious he was upset he cannot hide his emotions at times and I don't mind that it happens sometimes in football and he didn't say any wrong words we're all still friends we spoke in the dressing room he is fine everything is good and we completely like each other Bridgie as a striker what's it like when your teammates when you're in on goal, your teammate is not looking up and giving it to you. Oh, we there's many a player that I've played with and alongside that we've had, you know, an argument. So I said, why the hell didn't you give us that pass? But there's moments when you get inside that penalty area that I've been selfish as well and I've taken the opportunity to shoot because you felt that there was something on at that moment. Yes, it's nice to, to play that pass and see it, but sometimes you just don't because you're so focused. Or you, you should, but... I've had many of argument, most of them were bloody Harry Kuehl, to be fair. <laughs> um, but when I look back at our career together, every goal I seem to score, he gave me the assist. And every goal he scored, I seem to give him the assist, unless he'd taken about 20 players on. Um, so, yeah, it happens in this, you know, this is just common, common day practice, even in training. This, this happens more in training when you have a go at each other. I mean... I've actually got some stats from Opta, which we'll see on the Opta Sports social channels and, uh, and in an article a bit later, which breaks down who has passed to whom out of that front three for assists. And it is very even. And when you look at a combination that's got 169 goals in 115 games, I think they're going all right. But Paolo, just in terms of the characteristics of a striker, um, in a way, if Salah wasn't selfish, which has been, the, in inverted commas, the accusation against him, he wouldn't have had the phenomenal seasons, right, of the last couple of years. So where's that balance lie, uh, particularly as a coach, when you're trying to get the right mix out of different personalities in your, in your 11? Oh, I think you just mentioned that word balance, and, and I think that's the key, is uh, certainly when you're talking about a front three, um, is finding that balance. You're always going to have one player that's going to, I think, be the main striker, the one that's going to score the most goals. Uh, you're going to have another player who scores goals but um, equally sets them up. Um, I, I think in, in this situation, this is not an isolated uh, moment. I think this is something that's probably built up over a little bit of time because for Mane to react in the way he did um, tells me that this is something that probably has been inside him for, for a little while and... Uh, you know, I, I agree with you know, with Bridgie that as a striker, you do have to be selfish. But if I do look at, at the weekend. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I, do th- I think Salah was in the wrong. I think he could have, maybe not the one that was on his left foot where, where he's taken the extra touch to try and shoot on goal, but the, the, the one where the he's, one. Yeah, he's on his right foot. Uh, there was no way he was going to score. And well, Paolo, we weren't blessed with the vision that you had as a striker. Mate. <laughs> I, I was the man that had the blinkers on, pal. If I had your vision, I would have been worth ten times as much. But are, are you pulling Salah aside? And I know this is a you know you're talking about one of the best players in, on the planet right now. But are you pulling him aside as Klopp? The external front is it's all good. Internally, it's like are you having a word to him, or is or is it you, you don't tinker with something that's worked so well so far? Yeah, well, I think uh, as a manager, there you, you probably. Um, you can't uh, accuse uh, the player, um, and, and in this example, it's it's Salah. You can't say to him, you, you have been selfish and, and you didn't want to pass the ball um, because I think the, the explanation from Salah would be, I didn't see him. That's why I didn't I didn't pass it because even if you even if you did and, and, and you were selfish, I, I dare say that the player is going to actually come out and, and admit to it. So I think for Klopp, it's important that certainly a discussion is is uh, is had with uh, not only uh, Salah but with all three um, to, to, to just basically say, guys, hey, come on. It's not about who scores. It's about the team. Um, as long as uh, we are scoring goals and winning football games, it's, it's irrelevant whose name uh, is on that score sheet. You must have seen a few tantrums in your day, though, a bit similar to that, Bridgie. I'm absolutely delighted Paolo is in here today because he can verify this and he can also <laughs> add to the story. Because this was a moment of madness from, from both the manager and the player. And it was when we were at Leeds United together, we had a manager uh, in Terry Venables, who obviously coached the Australian national team at, at a point. And we had a, a central midfielder in David Batty that was coming to the end of his career. Now, Bat was a legend in the area, but Batty had a, a massive passion for GP motor racing. And he said with the money that he made from football, he was going to open up a GP motorbike racing team. So we're training, and Bats was late this day. He was over at Scarborough with his family in the caravan. He loved going away caravanning. And we, we were just in the practice. We had the, the pitch on the front near the dressing rooms. I'll never forget. And all of a sudden, we just it was like night Rider came into the training ground. We just heard this Ducati flying over the speed bumps, black leathers on. And literally, I'll never forget, Venables was like, stop the warm-up. Who is this <laughs> idiot? So anyway, Bats took his hat off, and Venables just lost his shit totally. Adam and went mental and says, you're a disgrace. Meant to be setting examples. You're not insured if anything happens to you, blah, blah, blah. So Bats being Bats, then he's an angry man when he gets going. Decided to do donuts and wheel spins in the training ground car park <laughs> in front of him. Basically just give him the bird and off he went back to see his family. Madness, total madness. Ver- verifying that. Absolutely. It was, uh, <laughs> it, it was crazy. It was exactly what Bridget said. A scene out of Night Rider. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good stuff. I love the stories from back in the day. Hey, <laughs> another great quote from the weekend, but this came from a bit of punditry uh, that we saw on on, uh, on Optus Sport over the weekend. Tim Sherwood, he's throwing out some cracking lines at the moment. And this one was on Socrates in the last minute, of course, in the North London derby. There was that conjecture over, did Harry Kane dive or not? And his explanation for it was, well, Harry Kane knew that he was a few sandwiches short of a picnic. So he was playing to try and earn a penalty didn't get it that time, but Bridgie, <laughs> who is the most uh, kamikaze defender you've played with? Because this certainly reminds me of, uh, of, well, you know, you're looking for a guy who's a bit of a loose cannon. Well, we had a guy called Rocco Jr. who was a loose cannon, the Brazilian World Cup winner. He came in at Leeds. He was, a, yeah, he w- he was always vulnerable to a mistake, but there was a, and it was an attacker. It was a guy named Alan Smith. And Smithy, every time he saw a 50-50 challenge, whether it was on the training ground or on the pitch, it was almost like he just won the lottery or the jackpot because his eyes just lit up and he knew it was a moment to try and snap somebody in two. Uh, and from an attacker, you know, 11 uh, red cards in his career, seven of them are in the Premier League, and he's up there with the likes of Vinnie Jones and Roy Keane. Now, some company. <laughs> that is some company to be. And the best part about it is when Roy Keane was retiring from Man United, Smithy would never thought of going to Manchester United because it was the, the rivalry between the two clubs. Fergie wanted his tenacity and his aggression in the midfield and he moved Alan Smith into a midfielder to take Roy Keane's position. It didn't develop or materialise and obviously Alan had a nasty, nasty injury which I think cost, cost him his career in the end but um, yeah, he was just a loose cannon smithy. Lovely lad but mental. Hey, on Arsenal, Paolo, just in terms of, you mentioned them a bit earlier about uh, where they are in that sort of top six discussion but can they, where, where, where have you assessed them so far with this amazing attacking talent, but things like Socrates, uh, David Luiz, the imbalance in midfield, where do you rate them at? Look, I look at, uh, at their uh, roster and they've made some really, really good, good signings. Um, but once again, when I, when I watch Arsenal play, I just get that feeling that they're going to have inconsistent performances and to, to be up there challenging, um, if you're serious and, and you want to win the, the, the premiership, uh, you can't have uh, those moments. You can't um, drop silly points away from home. And we know last year uh, what their results were away from home. You know, defensively, they, they showed no resilience at all. And, uh, um, you know, we saw the, the incident with David... Um, Louise. David Louise. That, can't that can't happen. happen. That, I mean, that just can't happen. If, 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 again, if you are serious... Uh, you can't be making uh, those mistakes because, because you can't throw away points. Certainly at this part of the season early on, you want to um, you know, win as many football games a- as possible because through the season, once it starts to, to get into uh, winter, into that you know, period where you're playing a lot of games, um, you're going to drop points uh, because that, that, that just happens. But, so now is the important time and I just look at Arsenal and... I enjoy watching them play, and Unai Emery's I think's done a great job. But I just wonder if it's just that little bit uh, uh, lack of quality that they still are missing to be able to really, really push Liverpool yeah. and, uh, and Man City. Yeah, I certainly want to see more of Danny Ceballos. I enjoyed watching him. He didn't start on the weekend. Um, but you're right. We'll, we'll see whether they can actually plug those inconsistencies and, and kick on. Hey, moving on across the continent, I want to ask you, Paolo, about the game that caught my eye over the weekend. I enjoyed every second of it. Juve Napoli. We know you're a Sari ball advocate. Uh, what did you make of that? The Rome-Lazio derby on the weekend. Syria has got something about it this season. It has, um, and it's down to uh, the fact that um, you've got, I think, more teams 
that are going to challenge Juventus for the title. And when I say more teams, um, I think it's it's now down to three teams. Of course, Juventus, Napoli, who uh, are probably looking to build on um, from last season, and and Inter Milan now has seriously joined the race. And and under Conte, uh, they look like a, a team that is going to score goals. Um, Going forward, obviously, you know the signing of uh, of Romelu Lukaku. Um, he's already scored a, a few, but certainly uh, defensively, they look so much more organised. Um, and and we see, um, you know, Conte from the bench, who's really dry. I think Inter's missed that. Um, you know, a manager on the sideline who's um, really giving that passion to the team. Um, so, yeah, on the weekend. Yeah, what a game. What a result. Uh, Juventus were, were, were cruising, um, you know, a couple of goals up and then Napoli come back into it. And in the end, uh, a real disappointing moment for Koulibaly to score uh, an own goal. But I, I, I think, uh, yeah, Juventus has, has shown us that they are the team that um, I think will, will, will go on and win it. Well, name a, more, name a love affair in football bigger than Sari and uh, Iguain. I mean, what a reinvention there. Yeah, look, it's no surprise to me because Higuain is a goal scorer. Um, he's had a, a, a patchy couple of years. Um, let's not forget uh, um, the amount of goals he scored for Napoli under Sarri. And, of course, Sarri brought him to, uh, to, uh, to England last season to Chelsea. But probably, you know, circumstances, um, yeah, he wasn't able to uh, um, perform to the best of his ability. But I think that... Um, you know, he's certainly uh, someone that's going to play a big role this season for Juventus. Now, one person who won't be in the title race this year is Mauro Icardi, who's obviously left Inter finally after some, well, you just have to say the most turbulent year a player could possibly have, frozen out, stripped of the captaincy, uh, threatening to sue the club if he's not allowed to train. He's, of course, gone to Paris Saint-Germain, where he joins now a frightening, frightening forward line. Bridgie, what on earth happens at Paris Saint-Germain? Edison Cavani, Neymar... Uh, Kylian Mbappe, Angel Di Maria, amongst others. Can you figure this signing out for me? You've got to be a good man manager to handle these <laughs> egos. That's all I can say. It's going to be incredible. The one thing about Accardi's move, he is a goal scorer. His record is absolutely superb. Carvani coming to the latter stages of his career, 34, I do believe. Yeah, he's a good talent, but I think this is a, it's a great move for Accardi, it's a great move for the club, but I think it's an even better move for his wife slash, <laughs> slash agent because she loves the Paris Fashion Week. And I think she got her wish. Well, she'll be, which she always seems uh, to do. She, she will get her wish. You mentioned his phenomenal record, 188 league matches, 111 goals, 26 assists. You compare that to Neymar, just for some sort of context, 160 league matches, 102 goals and 71 assists. Paolo, they've got what you believe is a freakish talent who might cause that front three to be broken up a little bit. Yeah, look, he's, uh, Bridget just mentioned his numbers. Uh, incredible. And to, to think that he's uh, only 26 uh, years of age is, uh, um, you know, is phenomenal. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange one there because he actually wanted to stay. He wanted to fight into, in, in, you know, in the courts. Um, happy, happy wife, happy life. She, she, wanted, uh, she wanted him to, to consider it, to leave. Um, and in the end, uh, I believe that... Uh, uh, a few days uh, before him actually signing for Paris Saint-Germain, uh, some of the inter uh left a, uh, a nasty banner, um, some death threats outside his apartment. And, uh, and in the end, uh, Wanda Nada, who is his, uh, his wife, uh, managed to convince him to, um, to join Paris Saint-Germain. Okay. 
this top front three or attacking unit, Bridgie. It's time for the top five, Bridgie's top five, which we've done for the last couple of weeks. You found lots of friends and enemies on social media. Where does this front, let's say attacking unit rather than front three, where does it rank in the top five in global football right now? Or we could almost say in the Champions League contenders, where do they rank? Do you know what it is? I've actually left PSG out my top five. Can what? you believe that? There's going to be hell on here. <laughs> We're going to be absolute hell on. So here we go. You Like you said, I haven't gone just for the front three, the front two, whatever. I've gone for the attack, the team that I feel has got the best blend of array of talent in the attacking third. They might have two number tens, whatever. So here we go. All right, five to one, Paolo. We're going we're gonna to rip this. I've got number five. I've got Barcelona. We've got Suarez, Messi, Griezmann, and Perez was in there. Um, without Messi, you see that what's happening at Barcelona at this moment in time without him. And Suarez didn't play it. They've had no firepower. So I've put them at number five. Number four... Bayern Munich. I like what they've done. Yes, they've lost um, Ribéry and Robin. Robin. But I'll tell you what, with Coleman, Perisic, Nabry, Coutinho they brought in, and Lewandowski starting the season exactly where he left off. Scoring goals as he does for Bayern Munich. I love watching them. Number three, I'm going to upset a lot of Reds. Number three, I've gone for Liverpool in third. Yes, it's Salah, Marnie, Firmino. The backup is not good. Mm. Origi's chipped in, but I just don't see the depth there, so I can't, I can't have them as my top. Number two, Juve. Ronaldo, Iguain, Costa, Benedeschi, Dybala, Mandzukic. That, to me, just, I, I get so excited when I, when I read them names out, when I see what, what you could actually do but with the dynamics of them. By the way, they just left Mandzukic out of their Champions League squad. That's how good their depth is. They left Mandzukic and Emre Can out of their Champions League it's squad. It's incredible. What, what, a, oh, what do you say? What, what a good dynamic or yeah. a good recipe to have. But number one, where they've left off, breaking all records in the Premier League for amount of goals, Aguero at Man City with Silva, Bernardo Silva, Mares, De Bruyne, David Silva, Sterling, Sane. It's just... I mean, that's forgetting about Gundogan and them. I just feel like they have got the best attacking force to go, and I, I forgot about PSG. Bridgie, <laughs> where's Real Madrid? Oh, please. <laughs> Do me a favour. I'd rather see Zidane play. <laughs> well, you mentioned well, that, though, Paolo. It's crazy, isn't it, to think that, yeah, they're not even close. Is that because those two still have PSG, Real Madrid, who obviously played rather than the Champions League, still almost have so much to prove what's Gareth Bale's status he scored a brace on the weekend but you know are they relying on him again is Hazard stepping up we don't know how PSG are going to function as a unit um, is that <laughs> but what do you what do, what do you think well can I just rattle off a couple of names here Benzema Hazard Bale Jovic Vinicius Isco I think he disagrees with you Bridgie. no 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 not at all not at all I, I, just not having them I just think that it's it's really really sad, and uh, it sort of makes you question Real Madrid at the moment. Oh, so you're and saying those are not names befitting of a Real Madrid attacking? No, line. what I'm saying is they have. If if I look at those players, they should be up there, but at the moment, sadly for Real Madrid, the performances and results yep. are not uh, demonstrating two that. New, two new players, Gareth Bale on. Well, sorry, Hazard and um, Jovic. Gareth Bale coming back in from the wilderness. And Benzema doesn't get as many as he should. For me, it's it's. I haven't seen that blend of players together yet, so I, I've left them out here, right? But it is sad. And does Icardi, Paolo, does he threaten Edison Cavani's future at PSG? He, yes and no. I, look, uh, you know, Cavani's goal-scoring record is also phenomenal, but uh, I think probably you know the signing of Icardi will uh, um, will send a message not only to Cavani but to to all of them. It's I think it's a statement. Um, yeah, he's 26 years old. 
his best football is, is still in front of him. Um, there's uncertainty over Neymar. Yes, he's staying, but in what frame of mind is he? How is he feeling physically? Um, so it can may, maybe be that Cavani plays out wide and, and Icardi is, is the number nine at certain um, moments throughout the season. I want to know what you think, Dave, because I've left Chelsea out there, your team. <laughs> Tammy Abraham's got a bit of work to do to, to justify <laughs> that front three is the next. The, if, you, if we had the top five potential best attacking lineups in, in world football, maybe they'd get into it. Don't worry, Next week we'll get your best number sixes. We won't leave you out with Bridgie's lists every single week. Um, gents, just any, quickly before we move on, we're going to talk in depth about the Champions League next week. We cannot wait for that to start. But that always going to feature prominently in, in that discussion. Just was there any, uh, anything that caught your eye from the draw that excited you in particular uh, the other day? Uh, certainly the Inter Milan group with Barcelona and Borussia Dortmund is the one that I go, geez, one team's going to be stiff there. Yeah, obviously um, the PSG group uh, with uh, Club Bruges, uh, Real, yeah. Mad- Real Madrid, and Galatasaray, I think that's a, um, a really, really, really strong group. Um, and of course, uh, funny to see uh, Napoli uh, get Liverpool um, again. You know, I think those two teams will, will certainly be you know, one and two in that group, but I can't wait to see uh, you know, those, those contests. That was the one that excited me. That was the Liverpool and Napoli, the, you know, the, the, the rematch or having a go again. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Atletico and Juve. Of course, some rivalry, some history starting to yeah. brew between all these teams. Yeah, so they were the ones that stood out. And obviously that group, um, the, the group F you mentioned and, and Paolo mentioned, Group A. Mm. The one, that, you talk about those rivalries, actually Tottenham Bayern, which is kind of like a, a really fresh fixture uh, for the last couple of years as well. So I, I'm really interested in that one. But we'll talk more about that next week. Because we take a break from club football this weekend, as I said earlier, and we, we go to international football um, where there's some Euro qualifying. Now the stakes aren't as big for the big guns at the moment because a lot of them do have that second chance with the Nations League, uh, I don't know what you call it, second dip. We're not, not going to go into it here because it's, a, it's too complicated. But Bridget, we'll touch on, on, on your mob, uh, England at the moment. Um, some positivity for them. There's some really good signs about their depth and it's Gareth Southgate's evolution is, is really continuing. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice problem to have. You know, he's got a really nice blend of players... It's a young team as well, uh, and, and the the problem is that he's got is this uh, this right back position at the moment because he's left Walker out of the squad, and in came Wambasaka, um, Trippier, and Alexander Arnold. Now, since then, obviously Wambasaka has pulled out with mm. a, a back injury and gone back to his club, and he hasn't reinstated Walker. Mm. He said, "I want to have a look at the young kids. I'm going to give them a go." So, if I was Walker, I'd be a little bit. What's going on here? I'd be worried, yeah, unless he's enjoying his holidays. He's named four uncapped players. One that I absolutely think well deserves it is Madison of Leicester. Yep. He's got Mount coming in, Mings, centre-half, uh, and Wan-Bissaka. Now, I'd be upset if I was Tarkovsky of, of Burnley. You're missing out. Um, he was the one that I highlight and think, you've missed out. Mings has come in. He's come from the championship with Villa. Um, he's, had a, he's had a go, and it's, for me, it was a bit of a dodgy one. And the other one that's missed out, I'm just going to give you this one. Goals since the start of last season. All right, and all players. Raheem Sterling, 22, in the squad. Harry Kane, 19, in the squad. Callum Wilson, 15, in the squad. Sancho, 14, in the squad. Rashford, 12, in the squad. Lingard, 4, in the squad. Tammy Abraham, 30, not in the squad. Now, yes, it might have been Championship and he started this season, but Mount's in there, and I would have loved to have seen this lad get a chance and deserve to be in there, and I would have taken out Wilson. You're right. I would have taken out Wilson and give this lad a go. Now, since then... Nigeria yeah. have gone, hang on a minute, 
there's an opportunity here where we can get this young man on our books because on, I think it's Angolo has retired from their national level of football and they're thinking, you're going to get a lot more games if you play for us. So they've made a play to try and get him on there. And, and I just feel for that lad. And they were the, the two that I really felt should have been in there and could have been in there. But the rest of it is like for like in all positions. Uh, uh, they've got two or three players in each position. I really, really like that. Mm. I mean, flipping it on its head, you could go, that's a sign of England's depth and emerging depth at the moment. You've got a 21-year-old who's got the number nine jersey at a top six club. In inverted commas, top six. I hope they're top six by the end of the season. Um, and that augurs well. And maybe if he produces consistently over the next little while, he will get his chance. Or even Lingard as well was the one that could have dropped out. Because he hasn't really done that much this season. Oh, well, that would have been a big goal, particularly with Deli Ali injured and not in the squad as well. So these are pleasant headaches for Gareth Sackett to have. There's an interesting article on, on the website as well, if you want to read it, by Daniel Story, our UK columnist, where he talks about uh, Tammy Abraham. He talks about how he's come through the School of Hard Knocks in the Championship, proved his worth there, and if he continues to do what Lampard has asked him, he will be Kane's deputy going forward. So um, you're right, interesting talking point. Now, what about your um, point of interest there, Paolo, Italy? There'll be an interesting article on the site as well about Italy's evolution. There's some very in- exciting players to look at there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they're, I think, cruising at the moment. They're uh, leading the group on, on 12 points. You've got Finland and uh, Armenia, who are, who are just behind on nine and six points, uh, respectively. And, and obviously, Greece, who uh, have... Uh, change managers. John Van Schip and Michael Valkanis. John Van Schip and the old Melbourne City uh, connection. Um, so we wish them uh, all, all, all the best of luck. But uh, I think for Mancini now, it's um, it, it's still about f- trying to find out uh, um, you know, what is his strongest combination. Um, and, and he's in a position where he can continue uh, to bring in new faces. Um and continue uh, to get results. But, uh, um, you know, they're not on paper, Finland and Armenia, their next two opponents. You'd think that, you know, they should win uh, comfortably. But, you know, Armenia beat Greece 3-2. And they've got some good players, Mkhitaryan. Um, so, um, you know, y- y- you want to give the, the youth a go, and, and that's what he's doing. Um, but at the same time, there's always you, you know, pressure as the Italian coach that you... Certainly, in a group like that, where they're they're, they're favourites, um, they're not allowed to uh, to lose a game. That's if they turn up on time. He'll have a young squad. He's having to kick them all out because the the discipline's shocking. Yeah, that was uh, surprisingly Moses Keane and uh, and Christian Zaniolo have been punished. Yeah. Um, they were with the it- Italy under twenty ones uh, against um, a match against Belgium in preparation. They turned up late for a team meeting, so. Accordingly, Mancini has has punished him by uh, by not selecting him, and and good on him. They are some of the two really interesting talking points, England and Italy, over the next couple of days, because they're two young teams, really exciting. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Spain and their balance in midfield, but the two interesting scenarios are in Group B and Group C, because of course Portugal, the Europe uh, the the European champions and the Nations League winners, they've got a bit of work to do, and they play away at at uh, Serbia and Lithuania over the next couple of match days and uh, they're a fair bit behind in their group so they might have to rely on their double chance and Germany play Netherlands on a Saturday morning and Germany trail as uh, so Netherlands trail Germany and Northern Ireland by some distance in group C games in hand because of the nation league commitment but they have to chase so great talking points and great interest in those games yeah well I heard the manager of Holland Koeman he actually said this game doesn't matter to us Germany have got nine points Holland are on six they haven't as many games as, as um, Northern Ireland. 
And he said, this game against Germany doesn't really bother me. And I was quite surprised that he said, the one that we have got our eye on and our focus, we must win the matches against Northern Ireland and then the two go through. So it's it's a massive turnaround from where Germany have come from because um, Jürgi Love is having to make some big decisions. He's left out Hummels. Um, Muller has gone. He, uh, I can't think who the other one was, but he's made some big calls and gone with the a bit of younger freshness and it's worked so far. That could easily just backfire mm. on you over the next few games mm. if it doesn't work and then the pressure's back on. But at this moment in time, that looks like it's going to be a classic, classic match. And I'm really looking forward to watching so it. So there's plenty to watch on off the sport over the next uh, six days from Friday through to Wednesday. So fantastic stuff there. Fabian, jump onto the app to have a look at all the uh, scores and, and fixtures and lineups there. But we're just going to round out, Paolo, with one closer to home. Um, the Socceroos, of course, kick off their World Cup qualifying path. Wow, the long journey to 2022. It's Q- they're in Kuwait on Wednesday, this time next week, uh, in a group that features Jordan, the, the old World Cup qualifying rivals, Chinese Taipei, Kuwait and Nepal. And I just throw you this quote, Paolo, from Graham Arnold in the lead-up to the uh, game or to the camp last week, where he said he hopes that by the end of this campaign, he'll have the greatest Socceroos team we've ever seen assembled. Do I ask you ahead of this campaign? Are we on track for that? Um, well, we'll just he have sa- to... He said what? <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Um, look, Arnie's, uh, um, you know, come out with a, a few quotes uh, over the years. Um, we saw the quote about uh, the Asian Cup and, and, and it sort of didn't pan out that, pan out that way. Um, whether this is a psychological message uh, indirectly to the players to, to, to step up. Um, do I think we'll, uh, in this campaign that, that, uh, that is coming up, that we'll, we'll see the best ever Socceroos team? Um, I doubt that. Um, but hey, if it's going to help Australia to get uh, better performances and better results, um, I'm all for it. He said what? Very good use, Bridgie. He said what? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a particular part of this squad though that um, uh, that takes your interest in particular? It's the first one we've had a few different options scoring up front. Adam Taggart in particular is someone that we really need to step up. What what sparked your 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 biggest uh, look at when you when you saw the squad come out? Yeah, look, uh, well, we, we, we know that the A-League uh, isn't in season at the moment, so um, we, we don't know whether Arnie would have picked more players from, from the A-League. Uh, what we do know is that we don't have as many of uh, our players playing abroad that are at, at, or playing at the highest level, which is something that um, I think we're going to have to get used to. Um, over the years, we've probably been uh, spoilt in, in, in that department, so... Uh, what I do think will happen throughout this campaign is we'll probably see more and more players from the A-League um, get their opportunity okay. at uh, international level. Interesting. We'll watch this space and we wish them all the best. And it's a long road to Qatar. I can't believe we're already talking about that, but it begins next week. So uh, keep an eye on that. Gents, thanks very much for your time today. We've jammed uh, a lot in and we could have spoken about a lot more. So much happening in the world of football. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for your time and thanks for popping in. And we'll see you in a few weeks, Bridgie, because you're off abroad. So have a great trip and safe travels to you over in the UK. Thank you very much. See Enjoy you, that, Paolo. That thanks, was a good mate. little reminiscence session. that. Very good. And to all of you out there, as I said, the Premier League might be over, but there is so much to watch on Optus Sport as ever. So until the next Ekin Pod, as ever, enjoy your football.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.